All right, I'm back. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, you quoted a verse I'm going to be using on my message, so you guys will get to hear that twice. Um, if you're new here, we're going through a series on King Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And today, Jesus addresses a topic that we all struggle with, and that's worry and anxiety. We all struggle with it. We all have different levels of it, and we all hate it, right? Ironically, over the last two weeks, you know, I wasn't here last week. I was with a, a, another church and being supportive of a new development of a sister church that we have down in South Bay. And uh, so I didn't preach from the Sermon on the Mount last week. And so the last two weeks, I've had anxiety about getting my sermon done about not having anxiety. That's just kind of the way it goes when you're a preacher. Now, I'm only a few sentences into this, and I already know that I need to clarify something right off the start. I know that some of you have, or some of you could be, a diagnosed with an intense anxiety disorder. And you feel cursed. Because it seems like a hopeless situation. And maybe well-meaning Christians told you that you don't need anything else than more prayer and more faith. That if you just tried harder, maybe God would bless you by taking away your anxiety. But I know that there can be physical aspects and mental aspects and spiritual aspects all going on all at the same time. It's a holistic issue. Now, this morning, I can't address the physical, and I, I can't address the, the mental, but while I address the spiritual, please know that I want you to have the best holistic help that you can get. And if you need support or help in any of those other areas, please talk with me afterwards. I have some leads and can, some connections that I can help you with, okay? So I'll be addressing the spiritual today. All of us, including you, we all need to soak in the truth of the gospel that heals our hearts and heals our lives. That means that no matter who you are, or no matter what it is that you are going through, no matter what it is that you are facing, we all need to meditate on who Jesus is and what he has done for us. To meditate on our new identity because he has renewed us and made us a new creation. That has strong implications for the way that you view yourself and your life. We need to focus on transferring our trust from all of the shallow, undependable things that we look to that let us down, transferring our trust to God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one who saves us from uncertainty. So our faith, no matter what is going on, our faith is critical. And God wants to grow us in our faith. And he does that through his grace and because he loves you. A few years ago, the Atlantic Journal came out with an article that kind of unpacked some research that they um, that they were looking at that, that compared the anxiety levels of different 
uh, people from different countries around the world, and they expected those in developing countries and unstable countries to have the highest levels of anxiety. But that's not what they learned. The article said the United States, the United States has transformed into being the undisputed worry champion. Some American dream, huh? Worry has become part of our culture and it's killing us and it's robbing us of life. You know, this week, you may have heard this before, it was new to me. Uh, this week I read that a dense fog covering seven square city blocks, a hundred feet deep with fog, is composed of less than one glass of water that's divided into 60,000 million drops. Did you guys know that? Okay, I'm not the only one. I had no idea. If that's true, then just a few gallons can just cripple an entire city, and worry is like that. It doesn't take much, but it can consume our lives and eat away at our souls, paralyze us, shut us down. So I don't know where you are this morning, what you're facing, what you're dealing with. Maybe you feel like you're in a fog, you're lost, and you're anxious. If you're not feeling that way right now, I'm telling you, there's always something around the corner, and you need to be ready for it. I don't know, maybe you lost your job and you're, or, or, and you're already out of money and you don't know what's going to happen. Or you just had a kid and you're going from, you know, a two-income family to a single-income family and you don't know how in the world you're going to make ends meet and your expenses just got greater. Maybe your retirements run out faster than you anticipated. Maybe you're worried about the bad news that you just got from the doctor or the bad news that you're expecting from the doctor. Or maybe a relationship that's really important to you, a family relationship, whatever it might be, is falling apart and you can't seem to fix it. Or maybe your kid, you see that they're on a destructive path and you know that they're in for a world of, of hurt. What is it for you? What is it that stirs up that, that worry and that anxiety, that, that fear in your heart? What is it that's going on in your life right now? Does, it, does anything come to mind? Maybe several things come to mind? Or maybe you've got a list like this long? What is I want you to think of at least one or two as we go through this message together. And, and prayerfully listen. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you and your heart this morning, in this message, in this time together. Jesus speaks to us about the anxiety or fear that's going on in your heart and life, in my heart and life. And in this little passage, three times, he says, Do not be anxious, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And we hear that and we think, so, you know, my life is falling apart and Jesus says, don't be anxious? Really? Is he serious? I already feel crushed. Listen, I want to tell you something. 
When Jesus says, do not be anxious, he is not scolding us. He is speaking to us as a friend. And Jesus, he isn't the one that's pushing us around. It's our worry that's pushing us around. And he wants to deliver us from that. He wants to bless us. So Jesus steps in and he intervenes. So using your handout in in your program, uh, you'll see that we have three parts to this message. And we're going to look at part one of our message. And part one is understanding our anxiety. The first word that Jesus says in our passage is therefore. That means that that word links our passage and what Jesus just said to what he said right before this. When he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I don't know about you, but I imagine Jesus' listeners, you know, hearing Jesus say, store up, you know, treasures in, in heaven and thinking, okay, so if I followed this, Jesus, what you're telling me, where in the world is our food and clothing and our shelter going to come from? And Jesus' reply is, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So often, our anxiety, you know, I'm sure all of you know this by now, that our anxiety is linked to our money or lack thereof and what it can get for us or what we can't get with it. And what we talked about a couple weeks ago is that the reason behind that is so often we look to money to be our security And sometimes we look to our money to be our status, to feel good about ourselves. And so when we don't have that security and when we don't have that status, we feel like losers and then we're stressed out and anxious and life just gets even more difficult. Well, I already covered that a couple of weeks ago. You can listen to it on, on, you can listen to that online. This morning, what we're going to focus on is the anxiety that we have about the uncertainty of our future. I think we all worry about that no matter how old we are. And Jesus anticipates our questions in in verse 31 when he says, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? And if you notice that the the, the language he uses is all future oriented and that's why he adds, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow. Not knowing what's going to happen with our life, so often, so much of the time, it makes us feel threatened. It makes us feel unsafe. It makes us feel insecure. Anxiety fixates on the future, but we experience our anxiety in the present. We're so busy worrying about what might happen, we can't fully live and enjoy the present. Jesus sees that in our hearts and lives. He sees our tendency for us to do that, and he wants to bless us. And so he calls us to live by faith. As we pray, Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
Help me to believe what the psalmist believed, that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and I will rejoice in it. Now let me clarify something real quick, okay? When Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, he's not encouraging laziness. He's not promoting some hakuna matata philosophy. None of that nonsense. He's not saying that we, we shouldn't plan ahead. You just look to the book of Proverbs, right? It's supportive of that, of planning ahead. What Jesus is addressing here is he's addressing our obsession and fear over what might happen. The root issue is this. Worry is a futile attempt to get control. Now, I didn't realize that at first because who in the world would say, hey, you know how you can get control of your life that's falling apart? Worry. Nobody thinks that. That sounds dumb. But we do it all the time. It's a futile attempt to somehow get control even though it makes no logical sense. Now, in the book of Genesis, we learn that we were made in the image of God, right? Now, part of that mean, does mean that we were created to lead and control, to serve God by stewarding over all creation, and that's good. But, like Adam and Eve, we want ultimate control. And that's what led to the great fall. That's what led to anxiety and fear and worry. There's a story about Martin Luther, reformer, and his friend Philip Melanchthon. And Philip was trying to push things, but it wasn't going the way he thought it should or the way that he wanted. And he became worried and anxious and fearful because he knew that at that point in history, so much was at stake that there were worldwide implications for good, for better, or for worse, for way worse. He knew the weight of that. And he was filled with fear and he was talking to his friend Martin Luther about it. And Martin Luther says to his friend, Philip, let Philip cease to rule the world. Some of you are feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders right now. Maybe there are some pretty intense expectations that other people have put on you. Or maybe some pretty intense expectations that you have put on yourself. And you're feeling the intense pressure of it. And it's filling you with anxiety and it's sucking the joy out of, out of your heart and just, it's just crushing right, right now. But listen... The God of the world, the God of the universe wants to give you peace. He wants to give you rest. He wants to give you relief. And so he says to you, let yourself cease to rule the world. It's not your job. And you couldn't do it anyway. Now that's a look at our anxiety. Now, so how do we deal with it? Part two, dealing with our anxiety. When, when we're anxious, 
It is all too easy to deal with our worry and our anxiety and our stress in unhealthy ways, right? We look to uh, work, maybe excessive work, or we look to food, or we look to alcohol, or we look to entertainment, or we look to sex, or we look to shopping, whatever it is, to escape. Or maybe you withdraw and you run. Or maybe you fight and you become a control freak and you justify it. And you think, you know what, if I can't feel better about getting control with this thing right here, then, then I'm going to take control of these other things. Does that sound familiar? How, how do you, when you get stressed out or anxious or worried and it is relentless and you're exhausted and you're tired, what is your go-to to, to cope with that or to deal with that? Does something come to your mind? Maybe a few things come to your mind? Because we all have something. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring that to, to your mind. And you'll have an opportunity at the end of the, the service when, when we're in silent prayer uh, on our own to, to bring that to God. But, but be engaged in, in what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart and your life right now. Pay attention to that. Those things that we turn to, they're just band-aids. And they just cover up the real issue as, as, as the real issue just festers and becomes so much worse. And then when we go to these other things, it's, it gets even more worse. Look, God wants us to remember who is in control, and it's not us. It's not us. And the good news is that when you feel desperate, Jesus calls you to go to him with your anxiety. And he says, as Jacob mentioned earlier in his prayer, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And when we turn to Jesus, he encourages us with his truth. Truth that remains true whether you believe it or not or if you feel like it's true or not, it's still true. And he encourages us with three solid truths. Three things. The first one is the first truth. Believe Jesus' truth when he teaches that. You, he teaches that you are valued by God. You are valued by God. That's not some fluffy feel-good kind of line that a preacher tries to throw out to gain some points, okay? This is biblical truth. Verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither soar, or excuse me, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? He says, if, if God cares for the birds, if he cares for the birds, how much more do you think he cares for you? And then he drives us home when he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He's not, it sounds like he's probably scolding us here, maybe because the way I read it all in tents and stuff. But he's not scolding us here. He's helping us to see that our anxiety is connected to our lack of faith. But our faith grows when we don't look at ourselves, but to our gracious God who cares for all of the creation, especially his children. If he feeds the birds and clothes the flowers, how much more will he provide for you? Again, Martin Luther said, it seems that the flowers stand there and make us blush, and the flowers become our teachers. Thank you, flowers, you who are to be devoured by the cows. Has God, exalt, God has exalted you very highly that you become our masters and teachers. They teach us that we are valued by God. The second truth, Jesus is teaching us that God is in control of everything. He's in control of everything. Theologians call this God's providence. Now, if, if, if I'm an atheist, I don't have a God who is in control. All I have are mechanistic principles of cause and effect that no one controls. If I'm a deist or an agnostic, you know, there's some kind of being that got the ball rolling with the creation of the universe, but like a clockmaster, has stepped back to allow things to play themselves out, to run its course. He's not involved. He's impersonal, and he's distant. But if I am a Christian, I have a God who's involved with his creation, Psalm 139 tells us that God is omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere and he is engaged right here, right now, all the time. He created the birds, he created the lilies, he created the grass, and more importantly, he created you. And he cares for the birds, and he cares for the lilies, and he cares for the grass, but more importantly, he cares for you. He is the creator and the sustainer. He is infinite and personal. He is sovereign and loving. He rules over cause and effect so he can intervene in time and space on your behalf because he cares for you. And he's in control. That is our God. Now here's the deal. If God just values us, but he's not in control, that doesn't help us very much, does it? Or if he has all the power and, and is in control of everything, but does not value us, that doesn't help us much either, right? But if he values us and is in control of everything, Jesus says, don't you see that you can be content? Don't you see that you can rest? This is what he says to his followers. This is what he's saying to you this morning and to me this morning. And he has this third truth. He says, seek first God's kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Verse 33, key, key verse. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Now those two words there, seek first, it was a phrase used then to describe an ambition. It's also a, a present imperative, meaning that it is a command to us for it to be our primary ambition to be on a continual quest to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. The Bible teaches us that every single one of us seeks some kind of kingdom. We all have our own little kingdoms, and we want to be the king, we want to be the queen, right? We're after status and security. It might be at home, it might be at work, it might be in our friendships, it might be in our families, it might be at the ball field, it might be on the track, it might be on the stage, whatever it is. When we seek those kingdoms, when we seek first those kingdoms, you know what happens? It crowds God out of our lives. And then what happens? Anxiety and worry. It's exactly what leads to anxiety and, and worry. The expectations that other people put on you or that you put on yourselves in our own little kingdoms is crushing. But we still grasp after it. So Jesus says, you're killing yourself. Stop killing yourself by chasing after the wind. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and you'll have all the status and you'll have all the security that you will ever need. And it's all a gift. It's all of grace. Now it might not be what you were expecting. It might not be what you necessarily wanted. But I guarantee, as God promised, it's all that you need. Do you believe that this morning? And so now the question is how? How can we put God's kingdom first? And that leads us to part three. Jesus and our anxiety. Uh, think with me again about who Jesus is, right? Think again with me about what he has done for, for you and, and for me, for all of us. Well, who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. And he was loved and cherished by the Father. When, when he was being baptized, a voice came from his heavenly Father, and he says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was so incredibly loved by the Father, we can't even imagine that. And he was valued, he was cherished, and he was clothed in splendor and glory and in majesty. But then he chose to come to be with us. And when he came to be with us, we're told that he became poor, that he was rejected, that he was reviled. He was stripped of his clothes, beaten, nailed to a cross. He gave up his status. He gave up his security. Why in the world would he ever do anything like that? He did it for you. He did it for us. Do you, do you believe that this morning? Does that move in, in your heart or does it feel like, yeah, I've heard that before. Does it stir your heart? 
This is how much God loves you? Jesus went to the cross to show how great God's care is for you, how great his provision is for you, not just your daily needs, but our greatest need. See, at the cross, Jesus addressed the two things that fill us with fear and anxiety above everything else. Two things that cause us the greatest worry, and that's our sin and our death. And Jesus says, I've taken care of those things. And so in response to this good news, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So, when are you tempted to worry? When when are you tempted to be anxious? When that happens, and we can help each other do this, that's what the community is about. When we're tempted to worry, instead of looking at life and your relationships and, and, and your circumstances through the lens of our broken lives and, 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 and the brokenness in, in the world and through uh, sin and, and all that is filled with destruction, instead of looking at our circumstances through all that is broken, Look at all that is broken through the, the lens of the gospel. Through the lens of who Jesus is and what he's done. And what I mean is, is when we look through the lens of the gospel, when we are, fix our eyes upon Jesus and who he is and what he's done and the new creation, the new identity we have because of him, it totally changes your perspective of everything that's messed up in your life and in the world. When we look through the lens of the gospel, knowing that, that our future is secure, it could not be more secure, that we are the, the children of God who, who chose us, who loved us before he created the, the heavens and the, and the earth, it fills you with confidence and humility. It fills you with courage to face anything that the world can throw at you, to persevere. Your, your strength is not in yourself. It's in the one who saves you. When we see that, man, our hearts are full because we see a God who'd rather die than live without us. That was what he chose to do. We see that we, we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. We can rest. You all know King David. Before he was king, he was a shepherd. He wrote the most famous chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 23. And he begins by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep are some of the most anxious, skittish creatures on earth. And so for them to lie down meant they were content and not worried. Why are we not more like that? Well, I think when we're anxious and worried, instead of looking for rest with our shepherd, we look for rest in other things like career and work and beauty and fun and sex and acceptance and money and our relationships. 
to make us whole. Those, those things could never fulfill us. They could never fulfill us. They weren't meant to. Only God can satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. And only then can, can we value anything else. When the Lord, when Yahweh, when the covenant God, when the personal God who saves is your shepherd, when you see that it is Jesus who is the good shepherd, who laid down his life for his sheep, you then can lie down and rest. I'll wrap up with this, just some quick closing thoughts and some application, okay? In light of the gospel, as it relates to our anxiety and, and worry, let me just say uh, three things. First, first of all, what was it at the beginning of the message that was on your mind that's filling you with worry, anxiety, and fear? All right? Keep that in mind for this last short section, okay? Number one of, of three things here. Jesus teaches no worry, but he does not teach us no trouble. You hear what I said? He doesn't teach no worry. Or he does teach no worry, but he does not teach no trouble. He can take away our worry, but he does not promise to take away our, our, our tru trouble. Even with these three metaphors, we know the, the, the birds die and the lilies die and the grass dies. The passage says they throw grass in their oven. I don't know why they, anybody would throw grass in their oven. But the point is they all die. But God promises to take care of us because he's taking care of our greatest need, meaning when it does become our time to die and we don't know what day or time that is, when that does happen, we will wake up in the presence of King Jesus. Jesus teaches no worry. He does not teach no trouble. Number two, what's going on and what are you worried about? What are you stressing about? Are you like me where I get so wrapped up in my anxiety I don't feel like praying? And so my encouragement to me and to the rest of you is pray, especially when you don't feel like it. And if you can't bring yourself, ask somebody to pray with you and for you. 1 Peter 5.7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And Paul in Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is more likely that our, our, our worry will go down when we pray. It's more likely that it will. But it for sure, your worry for sure will increase if you don't pray. And I'm not talking about some religious thing that you check off your, your list. Prayer is engaging in a vibrant relationship with God and finding comfort and joy in our good shepherd. And then last, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, but instead seek first his kingdom. In a sense, Jesus' kingdom is tomorrow, but we also know that Jesus' kingdom is at hand. It is here now, but not yet fulfilled until he returns. This means 
We are not to focus on the uncertainty of tomorrow, but rather we are to fixate on the certainty of the ultimate tomorrow. When King Jesus returns, he will eradicate all worry. He will eradicate all anxiety. He will eradicate all fear. And finally, your faith and your rest and your peace will be complete. Fixate on that and it will give you perseverance for today. So as you struggle with worry, you know, as you see the thunder clouds forming overhead, by God's grace, behold the king. Do not let the uncertainties of tomorrow paralyze you, but let the certainties of the ultimate tomorrow bring you hope and peace. Do not let God be crowded out of your life but let him fill your life. And as you do, stand amazed that the one who can control all things has everything under control in your life and he will take care of you as he promised and he always keeps his promises. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, Thank you that you simply chose to love us. We weren't interested in you. We didn't want to have anything to do with you. Or we became bored with you. Or we began to live like you were not real. And yet, in your grace, you pursued us. And you keep drawing us to yourself. God, so easily we stray, we wander. And like a loving shepherd, you draw us in. And you never let us go. God, I pray that, that, um, that you would stir in our hearts in this moment a love for you a faith in you. And God, I, I pray for, for all of us here, uh, so many people going, just filled with so much worry and, and anxiety because uh, there are some just uh, crushing circumstances at hand with very real consequences that are, that are looming. And we know that You did not teach us that there would not be trouble in our lives. But we can rest in you knowing that you are in control of all things, even if we don't understand how or why. And so, God, I pray that we would endure well, that we would persevere well, because we know that you are faithful to us. And so, God, I pray that we would respond by being faithful to you even in the midst of everything that's messed up right now. And God, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that has not put their faith in you, that has not yet put their trust in you to be their king, uh, to be their leader, to be their savior, the, the one who has paid for 
our sin. God, I pray this morning that you would give them the faith to trust you with their hearts, their souls, and their lives this morning, right here, right now, and give them the courage to follow you and to tell a, a, a friend or a family member who already believes so they can get the love, prayer, and support that they need. God, I pray that we would trust you more because this morning we gathered together to focus on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We pray these things in your name.